Greetings to all our listeners and welcome to another episode of Backstory. Today, we're seasoning our usual real estate discussions with a dash of culinary intrigue. We're delving into the rise and spread of modern grocery stores across the vast expanse of the continental US. Their footprint in the retail landscape has been growing, and to help us unpack this transformation, we have our editor-in-chief, Max Gross, and the astute Nick Rizzi. Before we jump in, here's a fun little tidbit. Can you guess which one of them swears by Trader Joe's and who is a Whole Foods enthusiast? Dive in to find out. Hello, this is Max Gross, Editor-in-Chief of Commercial Observer. I'm here with uh, Nick Rizzi, he's our web editor for Commercial Observer, and this is Backstory, our podcast series. So, um, Nick, I have a question for you. Um, do you like food? Uh, yes, very much so. My waistline will attest to that. Okay. And how do you procure food, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, yeah. Uh, I hate grocery stores with a mighty passion, so I order most of it online. Oh, okay. So you're one of the people who the story is not for that we're going to be talking about right now. No, but my parents are. They are very big fans of one of these brands. They talk about it constantly. Okay. So what we're talking about today are grocery stores. Now, um, grocery stores, I don't know. Can you say that grocery stores are having a moment? Weren't they always having a moment? Aren't grocery stores like a constant in um, the retail scene? Yeah, constantly. They take uh, big chunks of space, you know, more than a lot of retailers. Um and especially during the pandemic, you, you know, people weren't going out and buying a lot of stuff, but they were all buying food. And it was one of the few things that people still, you know, left their apartment or their house to do. So the grocery seat, the grocery market has been pretty healthy recently. Uh huh. But so we have a story running this week um, by Leah uh, Breakstone, which is basically about like, you know, a whole slew of new grocery stores and she managed to find not only a couple of you know new brands i think that when we talk about grocery stores there's you know uh, we revert to whole foods we revert to trader joe's but there are some new players in the market um and two of them much like trader joe's actually are german in origin um one is little am i pronouncing that right is that how it's pronounced I actually looked it up beforehand. Most Americans pronounce it little, but uh, apparently it's pronounced Lidl. If you're Lidl, German, but... okay, Lidl, and Adel? Is that what I, was... <laughs> I didn't look that one up? I, I'm just gonna Aldi, Aldi, Lidl, and Aldi. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm not that smart, and I don't. I I, I go. To, I'm a strict Trader Joe's uh, follower, um, but uh, those two are coming into the market and they're coming in pretty strong we've written about a lot of aldi and lidl leases that have come into new york so why don't you tell us a little bit about some of those that we've been writing about over the last few months yeah aldi you know has had a presence in new york for a little bit they you know they have been in the state since uh 76 but they haven't had as big of a presence in the tri-state area uh but lately that's been changing but what's been really interesting is uh lidl They've been signing leases like crazy. I think in the past year they've signed like five or six, and it's you know it's pretty all over. You know, there's a couple in Queens, 
there's one in Staten Island, which is my parents' favorite place in the world, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, there's one in Brooklyn and there's one coming to Manhattan. So they've been trying to get sort of presence in every five boroughs now. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, I think in Leah's story, she mentioned that Lidl had done 170 leases in the U.S. since 2017. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, that was Aldi did 117. Oh. Yeah, and they're set to open 120 more this year. Uh, Weedle has done 19 so far this year, and that's, you know, about 500,000 square feet across the country. And, you know, Aldi, while they, you know, announced that they plan to do 120 of their brand, they also just recently bought the Winn-Dixie supermarket chain, which is going to give them, I think, around 60 outposts in Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi. So, you know... It's no longer just the Aldi brand now. Mm -hmm. So why why do you think this is all happening right now? Like, um, obviously, it's a stable thing, and it's always got like some sort of evergreen, you know, attraction to uh, a landlord. But also, you know, you wonder why now? Why all the sudden flood of these new players into the market? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the easiest answers is if you just like look at the prices of everything um, a lot of these are discount grocery chains um, they handle you know similar to Trader Joe's where they have their own house brand so that you know helps them cut costs but they're you know targeting a different consumer than Trader Joe's and so they're able to sort of give people huge savings on their grocery bills and you know I mean if you go on many social media networks you'll see pe people constantly take photos of their groceries and be like this I you know I spent two hundred bucks and this is all I got, so I think mm -hmm. you know in a time when people are sort of really paying attention to their bills, you know having a discount grocer in their area that they could you know get a decent amount of groceries for less money than sort of a Whole Foods or a Stop and Shop in New York, you know that's a big uh, driver for expansion. Right, and actually I mean that's that's interesting. I mean we talked about all the we talked about Lidl. If I'm pronouncing it right, sorry. Um, but one of the people that's getting into it is somebody that I don't necessarily as associate with grocers, which is Dollar General has um, started basically a brand of grocer, right? Yeah, yeah, and and um, you know they've uh, I've, you know some of these dollar stores you know they've had some of the they were probably the best re the strongest retailer during the pandemic. Um, you know, people are also just trying to save money in other communities and oftentimes in some of these smaller towns, you know, outside of the tri-state area, you know, a dollar store is really their only option for retail shopping. And so they've been expanding more, just adding groceries to their shelves. And now they're, you know, going in, in a bigger way of now, you know, having a dedicated grocery brand. Mm -hmm. So um, have you actually been inside one of the... Uh... The Dollar General grocery grocery stores? No, I have not. I haven't been inside a Dollar General in a long time. I've been inside a Lidl, but not in America. Uh -huh. I also have also been inside a Lidl in Germany, of all places. Which, but I, it's a German company, so it's not so weird. <laughs> I was in Poland, and people there were going crazy. I've never been in a, in a busier supermarket. Well, you know, it's funny. Supermarkets do attract kind of cults. Like, you know, there are for the Trader Joe's, you wouldn't know because you don't go to Trader Joe's apparently, but like Trader Joe's has like, you know, there's all sorts of 
Instagram, you know, he, this is what's available this week at Trader Joe's. This is what, you know, blah, 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 blah. And um, I don't follow them, but my wife is like obsessed with them. And we, we come out of there with all sorts of funky stuff that I would have never originally thought to buy. And uh, it's, it's a good experience. It's a good experience. Yeah. And Wegmans has a similar sort of brand cachet, like people from upstate New York, especially are obsessed with Wegmans. I've never seen people go that crazy for a grocery store. Like I've like, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Trader Joe's when I, it just, I don't have one near my house. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, so I've, I, seen a little bit of the hype of Trader Joe's, but it's nothing like the upstate New Yorkers and their Wegmans. Yeah. Wegmans really does have like uh, cultivates an ethos about Wegmans. I had Whole Foods as well. I mean, like, you know, the people who are into Whole Foods are really into it, but um, I guess if I had to choose, I, I'm a Trader Joe's kind of guy. Um, Whole Foods delivered to my apartment. So I'm sort of stuck with them. Uh, oh, who knew, who knew Nick that you were so highbrow. Um, <laughs> so, let me ask you this. I mean, like, where do grocers stand now in comparison to the rest of retail? I mean, retail has obviously been in kind of a tailspin for, you know, well before the pandemic. Pandemic only seemed to, you know, accentuate a lot of its problems. Um, but it does seem like there has been like, you know, a little bit of a shift recently. Um, what, what, what's been your experience now in just terms of re- grocers compared to retail in general? Yeah, retail in general actually has been doing a bit better than you know even before the pandemic uh you know right before the pandemic um you know all the headlines were retail apocalypse you know amazon's shutting everybody out of business and that's still you know the case in some instances you know bed bath and beyond are the you know obvious ones to point to but you know there's been a resurgence of retail leasing um you know we've written stories about soho it's obviously very different to discount grocers but you know there've been the retail leasing there has been phenomenal especially compared to pre-pandemic cuz that was a neighborhood where everybody was like the rents are too high nobody's leasing space there and uh but what's good with these discount grocers the reason they're able to expand is there's not a lot of retailers taking the amount of square footage they are like um, little takes between 30 to 40,000 square feet, you know, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more. And then, it, you know, it's harder and harder to find retail space, you know, vacant retail space. But in that range, it's actually pretty easy for them. There's not a lot of competition. There's not a lot of stores opening up that size. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of these discount grocers, I mean, I assume, and I sort of know the answer to this, but, um, just for our listeners, um, this is not really just a, a, a New York or Northeast phenomenon. This is a, this is like something that's national in scope. Yeah. And, you know, that's also a shift from, you know, sort of the traditional grocery play, which would be, you know, hyper regional, like the Christides, you know, only in New York, all these other brands, they're sort of trying to get everywhere. Uh, you know, all these recent, recent uh, acquisition was to give them a, uh, a foothold in the Sunbelt region. Mm. Uh, you know, Weedle is most likely going to continue and going towards the West Coast. And, you know, part of that is because, you know, like I said before, they have their own brand, their own sort of supply chain to distribution. They don't have to rely on sort of finding a local provider as much. You know, they're mm-hmm. making their own food so they can just sort of ship it wherever they can. You know, there's obviously logistics behind that, but it's, you know, different than trying to you know, a sort of New York grocer trying to go to Florida and have to figure out, you know, all the food, acquiring all the food to put on their shelves there. 
Right, right, right. Man, Gristides. When was the last time you went to a Gristides? Oh, man. I I kind of remember the night. It was pretty late at night, and it was the only thing open near the subway station, but I don't remember <laughs> what I bought. There was a Gristides. I used to live on 106th Street um, in Manhattan, and there was like a Gristides that I want to say 102nd or 103rd. So I actually was a fairly, you know, big consumer there um, until, I hate to say it, TJ's, the Trader Joe. Uh, they stole my heart, and um, I haven't gone back. And then there, thankfully there was a, a Trader Joe's that, you know, opened in my neighborhood in Queens when I moved. So um, I've, yeah, been, you're, I've been lucky. You're lucky. I mean, we have some uh, in my neighborhood in Queens, which is not that far, but feels like miles away. Uh, we don't have a Trader Joe's, but we do have a key food. And that's sort of, if I do go, that sort of has my heart. And as uh, many New Yorkers will tell you, it's really difficult to say key food instead of everybody says key foods. It's actually key right. food, but that was that when I was a kid in Brooklyn, key food, that was our that was our source of sustenance. That's where I go went because I do like food. Um, I think that that's a, a constant for uh, you and myself. Yes. Love food. Don't like cooking as much, but love eating. I, I don't mind cooking. I don't mind. it. Well, in any event, um, Leah's story is great. Um, there's a lot to go over there. Um, was there anything else you wanted to mention before we sign off? No, I think that just about covers it. And, you know, hopefully we'll get a Trader Joe's or a Lidl in Ridgewood. So if anybody's listening. All right. Take note. Lidl, Aldi, Trader Joe's people. Um, there is demand in the Ridgewood section of Queens. All right. Thanks so much. And uh, you've been listening to Backstory. I'm Max Gross. And with that, we conclude another intriguing episode of Commercial Observer's Backstory. If our discussion has resonated with you or sparked an interest, I'd love for you to share our series with just one friend or colleague. Discover more episodes like this one on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever your ears take you. And if you're curious about the behind the scenes action at Commercial Observer, don't miss our editorial team's deep dive into the rigorous selection process for our annual power list that was a previous episode. Until we meet again, thank you for tuning in to Commercial Observer's Backstory. Safe shopping and savor every bite of knowledge.